You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I'm back after the hiatus. Uh, I had noticed some notes, some more pronunciation issues. Thank you. I mess it up all the time. I'm not offended by that at all. Uh, curious about rest of the feedback, uh, what people thought about the podcast with my father and the like. I uh, want to thank you all for tuning in, and today's show is going to be going over the five games I've missed in the time being, being, time being, uh, performances, uh, who's playing up, who's playing down, and we'll talk about the few roster moves made and some speculations. So let's start off with the roster moves. Let me flip over this. We had Roberto Perez activated. Thank goodness, right? <laughs> well, I think we've all gotten tired of the catcher situation. Sande Leon placed on the family family medical emergency list, and Greg Allen recalled after Oscar Mercado was sent down. We still don't know who's going to start Saturday. Uh, I want to make sure I give proper credit in here for the starter uh, that this came from. Uh, one Klee baseball fan had that uh, Hammy was speculating that Tristan McKenzie would be called up for Sunday's start. Uh the Indians need a starter for Saturday, not need a starter for Saturday, not Sunday. Uh, so that stands out. McKenzie is on the forty man, so that makes sense. Uh, but it, it would be odd to me. Uh, Eli Morgan isn't on the forty man, but I would think he would have a better opportunity. Uh, Moss is, and that's just ignoring having Clevenger and Plesac ready to go. Uh, you are facing the Tigers, so maybe you feel like you can punt that game. I don't know how I feel about that as much, where you feel like you can win with lesser pitching. My issue with McKenzie, and the reason why I have a hard time believing McKenzie is the call-up, is as far as I've heard, he's still a two-pitch guy, and it's a low velocity. Uh, I mean, the fastball is a really mediocre pitch. He does not have a plus offering right now. He hits his spots well, but he has not added any velocity. His pitches have always kind of been a little bit flat, and when I saw him in double-A, there was just no umph to it. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Maybe there's more. I just think I think he could end up a very good reliever, but I'm still very hesitant about him as a, as a starter right now. I, I don't think he makes a ton of sense. Honestly, if I'm making an Indians top 10 prospect list, uh, Tristan McKenzie isn't on it. That's just where I stand with him at this point in time. Uh, even the spin rate stuff that I've been able to gather. There's not always a ton, especially for a guy who missed all of last year and a good chunk of the year before. The spin rate stuff has never stood out. Um, the ability to his spots allowed him to dominate the lower minors, but he's still rail thin, still hasn't gotten any stronger, and the, the two pitches is not going to work for a starter. We'll see what they do. So let's talk about some games. Let's, uh, let's dive into these. We'll just... I think I have them lined up in order, so hopefully we'll be able to dive through. Uh, let's start with the Aaron Sabal against the Tigers. Uh, what a performance for him in his last two starts. Uh, for all of my questioning about him, uh, it's just crazy to me with this pitching staff how someone like Savali, let me get it right, Aaron Savali, uh, he was kind of mediocre in the minors. Even his biggest fans did not have him as a top 10 prospect at the end. He was closer to a guy in the 20s and I would see him pitch, and he never stood out, never stood out, and he's like a different guy now. I don't know what the Indians do. I don't know how this happens. But against the Tigers, 
four in runs, three strikeouts. It actually was not one of his best performances of the year uh, in that game. We get around to his game against the, the Pirates. Uh, it's a masterful performance, but we'll always give that caveat that uh, everyone should look masterful against the Pirates because they are terrible. This was a Fran Mill Reyes home run game, a Domingo Santana home run game. Jose Ramirez had his uh, had a double, Naquin with a triple. A multi-hit performance, Fran Mo Reyes. Uh, man, did he feast off of this, this Tigers team. Jumping again, Saturday's game. You had uh, I talked about how this was the one that was most intriguing to me because I wanted to see Turnbull. And it was not his best performance. Just four and two-thirds for Turnbull. Three runs on six hits, four walks and three strikeouts. But man, <laughs> Shane Bieber, seven innings, 11 Ks, three hits, one walk. What a performance. Now, it got a little bit uh, juicy in the ninth because Hand came in. He gave up a hit. He gave up a walk. There was the catcher's interference by Leone. I'm sorry, Leon. Uh, making this closer than it should have been. Bieber with another fantastic performance. Uh, multi-hitter was Jose Ramirez, who also had a double. Leon had a double as well in that one. This was the one game where Fran Mill was human in that series. Jumping to the uh, final one, so the, where the Indians get to uh, the 20th straight win against the Tigers. Fran Mill Reyes, two home runs in this one. <laughs> Andy Leone, home run. Just had to laugh to even see he had a home run. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, Reyes is up to five. Lindor has his fourth. Multi-hit game. Three hits for Lindor. You know, keep thinking he's going to get off to Schneid. He has a game like that, but just he's not able to consistently get together right now. Uh, Fran Reyes had three hits, and Delano Shields with two. Plutko, not the best, let's be honest. It was a bullpen by committee game. Uh, Dominic Leone, uh, blown save in there, but Oliver Perez, solid. Cam Hill, Karen Chalk, Wet Grin gave up a run late, but luckily the Indians had a big enough lead. It did not matter. Just do a quick time check. We've got two Tigers games to talk about now. Let's uh, dive into the first one. So, uh, <laughs> the Tiger series, it's like, uh, you know, with the Tigers, we talked about what Fran Mel Reyes had done. Now it's like all of a sudden that Carlos Santana and him switched bats. Uh, home run for Santana. Extra innings to get the win on Monday. Three-run shot. Uh, he had the only multi-hit game for the Indians. Lindor did have a hit and two walks, so there's you know a little bit better than what we've seen. Bama lineup just struggled, and this is not a good... JT Brubaker, the local kid, we talked about him uh, a lot in the preview podcast. Three innings, three hits, uh, one strikeout, three walks. Not his best performance, but after that, the Indians couldn't get to him. Carlos Carrasco, that's two shaky starts in a row. We'll see uh, which way he starts trending for this team. Oliver Perez, man, he's been pretty masterful. Another strong performance by Cam Hill. Phil Maton is getting uh, chances to pitch now. He's clearly past Adam Simber, who I don't think has pitched in over a week. Karen Chalk, Wetgren, Hand. Bullpen by committee to get the win in 10. And then today's, or I should say, as I'm recording today's game, but will we'll be for everyone out there, yesterday's game. But as I mentioned kind of at the top of this, because we started with Saval, Savali, we'll end with Savali. Uh, nine innings, five hits, one run, six strikeouts, no walks. Again, you'd like to see a little more, a few more strikeouts just because this is a, a uh, 
Pirates team that has been uh, very free swingy, but and that's when you're basically nitpicking uh, at his performance. Jose Ramirez with a pair of stolen bases. Uh, Stephen Brault pitched really well at the other side of things for the Tigers. Their bullpen imploded. Uh, not the best performance. Carlos Santana with another big home run. Cesar Hernandez uh, has a double, so does Domingo Santana. No multi-hitters in this one, but Jose Ramirez and Cesar Hernandez both had a pair of walks. After those, you know, two good games, Linder goes over five with three strikeouts. His, you know, his he's below average right now, which means uh, this is the problem essentially that happened to uh, the Baltimore Orioles and. I'll explain that more in the second half of the show, but we'll talk about what's going on here that made me think about Baltimore in a second. Uh, you know, the Indians got the win. They've got one more tomorrow. Uh, it should be a strong favor. It is ace versus ace, technically, Shane Bieber versus Trevor Williams, but Bieber is in a different sphere than Williams, and this Pirates team is truly, truly awful. So we are setting up for what should be a sweep of the series tomorrow. Built Bar is back bar. I, you know, coming up with new things, but Built Bar is back. Their website is functional. People were so excited about the return of Built Bar. The site crashed in the first day. It could not handle all the traffic. Uh, that is how much people love Built Bar. Their site went down. They were ill-prepared to deal with the amount of traffic that came in. And I love Built Bar. I've talked about it. And we got a special email today with a note in it that the new promo using that promo code locked on. Uh, you can keep using it. It's not a one-time code. You can just keep ordering uh, using the promo code, getting that the $10 off your order by putting locked on as your promo code, and that just keep using it as much as you want. That code is yours uh, until this promotion ends with us. And if you do it soon enough, you might still be able to qualify to get that free cooler. No promises on that. That was about the first week or so and we're still in that first week of order so there's a chance for that brand new flavors there were always a delicious great uh tasting bar to be in with but now you got caramel brownie cookies and cream cherry barcia lemon almond cheesecake carrot cake apple almond crisp uh i'm intrigued by the apple almond crisp the most myself uh and carrot cake kind of intrigues me as well i could see that flavor working very well in a bar and if you are intrigued like me head over to builtbar.com right now using that promo code locked on and get ten dollars off your next order builtbar.com promo code locked on so my tease as they call it in the industry is that the situation with lindor reminds me of the baltimore orioles and i think anyone out there who thought about it and is a, a big baseball fan knows exactly why that is the case, and that is because in the second to last year that the Baltimore Orioles had Manny Machado, he had a down year, which hurt their ability to trade him. His, uh, You go back and you look at his 2017 season, he had a 102 OPS or WRC+. plus. year before that, a 131. year before that, a 135. He still had 30 home runs that year. He had been good for 30 home runs every single year uh you know he, at that point he had three straight years he's now at five straight years of 30 or more home runs and he's he's been productive the problem for them was finding a right deal you know he's a 6.6 war a 6.3 war drops to a 2.4 does rebound in that 2018 year to a 6.2 but then they trade him mid-season and the value in that trade was just not there and baltimore really doesn't have much to show for letting him go 
the centerpiece, give me one second, I'm going to pause this and bring up the players they got. The, I believe it was four pieces, and, and none of them have really turned into much. I was already wrong, it was five pieces, though. Uh, Bravik Valera has been bounced around through so many teams. He was a name we saw heavily on waivers in the past few years. Kind of a replacement piece, not so much uh, someone you're going to talk about. Yusnil Diaz was the centerpiece. He was a player whose stock was already down at the point he had been acquired. He had been viewed as a top 100 guy, but again, the, the stock was definitely tumbling with him when he was acquired, just as a sign of things aren't going well. When he was acquired, he was in double A, spent 2018 in double A. Then 2019, spent time in low A, high A, back to double A, and he was okay there. Um, went and played some uh, winter league ball not so great i don't know if anyone sees more than like a, a fourth type of outfielder you're looking at someone who before the 2019 season was ranked the 37th prospect by baseball america 64th by mlb and baseball prospectus 44th but again his stock was even though he was traded in the 2018 season it's interesting to me that his stock bounced i almost feel like his stock bounced up before 2019 just because he was traded uh, talking to people, I mean, I did my write-up at the time, his stock was viewed down in most places compared to where he had been. Dean Kramer, uh, Kremer, wasn't he an Indians draft pick too at one point? Am I wrong in that? Was he just a Dodgers guy? He might have been. Uh, he is with the Orioles still. Spent time across multiple levels. Double A, he was okay. I, I don't know if he's much of anything. Uh, Zach Pop. Always an interesting player, but had no control, and the control is still, it's gotten a little bit better. He got up to double A last year. Miss bats, hard to hit. I mean, he might have a future still, so that's that's not quite right off uh, Zach Pop yet. And then Ryland Bannon, who I think was from Xavier, was a guy I was really intrigued with in the deal because he had been just bonkers that year in high A, I think it was, for... Uh, the Dodgers, I was curious to see what would happen with him. And then with Baltimore, he got time in, in AA and AAA in 2019. He was pretty mediocre across those two levels. So, yeah, I, right now, potentially, there's like, th I mean, potentially all four of those minor league guys could play in the major still. I'm not going to write them off. But they don't have a showcase player, and where I complain that Machado's down year was a 102 runs created plus in the year before his walk year. Right now, Lindor's in an 84. It puts the Indians in an impossible situation because his stock is going to be down. I mean, he does not look like the same guy right now. The scuffles and everything else are there. So when you put that in, it's hard to figure out what his value is. This is my long way of saying I don't see how he's even a tradable asset at the trade deadline. Because are you going to get full value? Or in some respects, maybe he's a very tradable asset. Uh, I thought for sure they wouldn't get as much as they got for Trevor Bauer a year ago. We'll have to see. But they're in an odd situation. And much like that Machado situation, essentially came down to the Baltimore Orioles taking Machado into the season, hoping to contend. It didn't happen for them, obviously. And then them flipping them before the deadline for lesser value rather than just get a draft pick the indians are going to be in a situation where you know if his production doesn't start to turn around it's going to be hard to figure a trade market where you're going to get the full value that's just the way of the game if you have a down year 
uh, it's going to affect your ability to get in there and get the value you want to trade. So it's it's a really tough situation for the Indians. Uh, they're probably best off just letting him hit his way out of it, hoping he hits his way out, and then probably looking to move him this offseason. Kind of what happened with uh, the Mookie Betts deal, which, again, I've talked about this deal a lot of times. When you look at the Mookie Betts deal, I thought uh, Boston did well. You know, there, there's some concerns with Alex Verdugo and some stuff in the past there, but no doubt he was a talented, proven outfielder. Uh, Jeter Downs is a pretty safe shortstop prospect, and getting David Price's contracts off the book was a was a pretty big additional value. David Price was a net negative uh, value for the Dodgers, so getting his contract off the books was also a big saver. So if the Indians could do something similar to the Betts deal this offseason, that seems fantastic to me. Right, but you have to trade Lindor in the next nine months um, because, I mean, probably not even the next nine months. It, I mean, you need to trade him before the start of the season, so he needs to be traded essentially before you get to, what, like... March maybe you know mid-March it always feels like the season starts to push a little bit uh, you know earlier every year we'll see uh, when they're able to do baseball but I mean are we saying that he needs to be traded the next six months maybe I mean we're in August six to seven months is probably what's going to happen and it's not ideal and you know we'll see what happens the trade deadline is now I'm recording this on the 19th you'll listen on the 20th 11 days left it's odd because we really haven't seen any trades at all. There's been nothing that has occurred, not even anything minor or small. Uh, some claims here and there, but nothing bigger than that. I mean, a lot of the the claims have been pretty small uh, in terms of what we've seen from teams. So it's, uh, I don't know how active it's going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to be out there. It certainly bears watching and paying attention to. Uh, maybe on tomorrow's show we'll talk about the sheer number of like injuries. You know, the Padres losing their closer for the season. Jordan Alvarez being done for the year. Uh, Alex Bregman, uh, it was just taken out of a game. Uh, Dan Vogelbach was just designated by the Mariners a year ago. Wasn't he was an All Star for them, right? <laughs> he did only hit two hundred eight, but he had a three forty one on base percentage, thirty home runs. Uh, 780 OPS. He was an all-star, and then this year he is, well, it's a 476 OPS. So, yeah, you can kind of see why he got designated, but still, interesting uh, name out there for some teams to consider. But, yeah, there's just all these injuries which are going to open things up or shut things down. It's like, you know, for a team like the Astros, who Bregman's knee is, he left the game for a hamstring issue. Jordan Alvarez is done for the year. Kyle Tucker has struggled mightily. Um, Verlander is probably not going to pitch this year. Do they look to make trades? Is that a team where, you know, uh, I need to go look at Michael Brantley, who's also hurt for them, right? Like, I was like, well, maybe you can get Brantley on the cheap. Isn't he in the final year of his deal? But I believe that Michael Brantley is also hurt for them. So, I mean, they're just a team that's beat up, um, which could lead to George Springer being available, right? Isn't he going to be a free agent at the end of the year anyways? Uh, Michael Brantley is nearing a return. But maybe they they go the other way. Maybe the Astros, whose uh, minor leagues are just shredded, could look to add value to their team that way by uh, moving some players and trying to find 
uh, a minor leaguer here or two that could help them. It's, it, you know, I'm trying to pull up the contract details for Brantley. And for instance, I think his contract is done at the end of this year. And if he's, yeah, 2020, 16 million. Uh, so you take the prorated amount and just kind of figure out exactly what that's at. I have no idea what his defensive uh, play has been like in the outfield. I assume it's mediocre at best. But is there a world where the Indians look to acquire Michael Brantley for the rest of this year? I think so. Is there a trade that makes sense for Michael Brantley? Well, listen to tomorrow's show, and we'll dig into that a little bit deeper. I've been Jeff Ellis. You've been a fantastic audience, as always. And thank you and thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. All of those things really help our show. And as always, go Tribe.